Welcome to the Empowering Real Talk podcast. It's your host, Keisha, aka Coach K Woods, founder of Upgraded Mindsets, whose mission is to inspire and empower unapologetic self confidence through conversation, insight, and value. Some of these conversations may be uncomfortable, but in order for us to grow individually and as a whole, these conversations are necessary. Be sure you are favoring on your favorite podcast streaming platform. Subscribe to the Empowering Real Talk YouTube channel and let's get started. What up, y'all? Welcome back to the Empowering Real Talk podcast. It is your girl, Coach K Woods with Upgraded Mindsets. And you know I'm back with another dope session. Hey, real quick, you know I'm going to ask. If you have not, please make sure you subscribe here to the YouTube channel if you are looking at our lovely faces. But if you are listening on your podcast platform, make sure you favorite me first. And then make sure you um, are rating and reviewing the episodes. Um, The feedback I've been getting has been great. So I definitely appreciate you guys. Keep it up. You know, Empowering Real Talk is definitely here to have those raw, uncut conversations. And today is going to be no different. So, you know, if you are watching us on YouTube, then you see I am not here alone. And I'm going to allow my guest to introduce herself. Hello. Hello, Keisha. How you doing? I am good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Let my lovely audience know who you are. Yeah. So my name is Brooke Braylove. I'm a licensed clinical social worker in Maryland. Um, I'm a psychotherapist. I'm an ASECT certified sex therapist. I um, am a certified Daring Wave facilitator in that I um, uh, work with uh, Brene Brown's Shame Resilience Curriculum, Mm, women's uh, weekends, exploring shame, courage, vulnerability, self-compassion, all the things we all need to know about. Um, And then the really exciting thing that I'm doing now is I've um, I'm an advanced accelerated resolution therapy practitioner, and I'm really hoping we'll be able to talk about that today. I'm definitely down for it. Um, those conversations are definitely necessary and they're so needed, especially in these times. Um, and I definitely appreciate you being here. I'm so excited to get your insight, your resource and also solution. Cause as I tell all my guests, you know, if one person leaves with value from this episode, that's a success in my world. So I am definitely all about that. But before we get into any of that, let us kind of know your backstory a little bit. What got Brooke to where she is today? Mm-hmm. So um, I'm originally from uh, the Washington, D.C. area, and um, I really had a, actually a strong interest in kind of race relations. Um, I was an Afro-American studies major at the University of Pennsylvania, and I did a lot of kind of policy work, and then I slowly started to move into um, more uh, social service agencies, And I decided that um, some of the sort of bigger um, public policy issues uh, were a little too much, a little too much of of an incline for me. And I decided that I actually really wanted to try to affect people kind of Mm one-on-one. And so I decided that a social work degree would be kind of the best thing, the most versatile. So I got my social work degree from Columbia And I um, I came back, I did two years in an agency working with domestic violence survivors, 
which was really challenging, really wonderful. And I just developed a strong interest in trauma and really trying to help people recover from trauma. And I've been in private practice for 19 years. Mm. I see individuals, couples, groups. Um, but again, this really exciting new uh, part of my practice is uh, this very brief uh, treatment that is really specifically for trauma, phobias, and a whole host of other issues. Okay. I love it. Um, and those are things are necessary. I know. Um, and just you talking about it right there. I just seen your face light up because I can definitely tell the passion is there with that. Um, is there a reason particularly why you decided to go continue on this part of things? Um, was there like something specific that might have happened, a life occurrence or anything like that? Details, mm -hmm. please. Yes. Well, um, I always say never trust a therapist who doesn't go to their own therapy. So I had, <laughs> I had a, a pretty traumatic breakup um, about six years ago. And I was going to my regular therapist and I tried a few different kinds of therapy. And really nothing was kind of touching this grief. And someone said, have you heard of this thing called art? And of course I hadn't. And I did two sessions and I basically changed my entire relationship to the sort of trauma of this breakup. And it became much easier to deal with. And I was really able to move forward in my life. And of course I said, well, I want to get trained in this. So I got trained in art. Um, it's also called ART. You can kind of, it, it doesn't really matter what you call it. Mm -hmm. And um, I was trained in that. And it took a couple years for me to get really comfortable providing this or having almost the courage to say with long-term patients, hey, I'm trained in this new thing. Why don't you try it out? But the more and more I did art, the bigger believer I became. And really at this point in my career, I, I'm really hoping to kind of transition to more of this work. It doesn't mean I still love my long-term patients and I love my groups and I love sex therapy, but this allows me to help so many more individuals because the treatment is only one to five sessions. And this treatment literally can change people's lives in 60 minutes. Oh, wow. That is crazy. So like the, the, the term art, kind of tell us exactly what art stands for. Sure. So art is accelerated resolution therapy. It is a brief treatment modality. It was founded in 2008 by Lainey Rosenzweig, um, a therapist who had done some training in EMDR. And while she loved EMDR, she kind of felt like maybe there were some tweaks she could make. And she just made it her passion. And she's given us such an incredible modality. And I'm very grateful to her. Um, but art basically is uh, a brief treatment of one to five sessions in which you take traumatic images and sensations and you change the way those are stored in the brain. So 
what we do is something called, you know, we do this sort of bilateral brain stimulation. Um, some practitioners use their hand. Um, that's how we were trained. I actually use a light bar, uh, which is kind of similar to EMDR. Um, I actually found that just physically, for whatever reason, doing this for, you know, an hour plus uh, just didn't, my body didn't love that. So I use a light bar, but basically the idea is to use calming eye movements, which replicate REM sleep where memory is consolidated into sort of longer term. So by taking negative images and sensations, and then we do voluntary image replacement where you basically change the entire scene into the way you wish it had happened. And then we store that in the brain. And that's what happens. So I, I, I try to, art is very hard to describe. That's why I love it. No, you've given a good description. Oh. <laughs> uh, totally good. I'm, I'm all intrigued. I'm sitting oh. here like, ooh, my wheels is turning in my mind <laughs> right now. Um, you've given a very, you know, good description with regards to that. Um, it's actually interesting because of the fact of you're using eye movement. Like that, like totally peak me. So I can totally imagine how you were like, yes, I, I'm digging this. I'm digging this. And you use it for personal experience. I feel like um, on all levels, when we are, you know, trying to be of service, I always feel like having that personal experience behind it just makes it that much more effective for others. Um, you know, like having the option to say, you know, yes, I've actually experienced this myself because that's also giving them a sense of comfort. Like, oh, okay. She's not just throwing something at me. You know what I'm saying? So I think that that's phenomenal as well. Yeah. I definitely find that when I um, kind of speak about my own experience, people seem to just kind of settle a little. And um, I think, you know, a lot of therapists are trained to be very sort of blank slate. And that's just not who I am. Uh, and I don't think patients really want that. Um, so I do love saying, so let me tell you how it impacted me. Um, and, and they do seem to just sort of settle in a little bit more. We all want to feel not alone. We yes. all want to feel normal. And when you're a therapist and you say, yeah, I struggle, I've had things that I, you know, need to process and art works for me. They really seem to um, be pretty excited about it. I love that. That is amazing. Um, like I said, and you've been practicing this particular level. How long has it been that you've been practicing art? I think I was trained in 2018. So uh, about, you know, almost five years, but it's really picked up the last year where I've really been both um, promoting art in terms of, you know, its own modality, like, you know, do you want to work through trauma? Um, you know, do, are you, do you feel stuck in your life? Why don't you try art? But also really um, bringing it to my patients that I've seen for, you know, five to 10 years. And some areas where they've been stuck and we've been talking and talking and talking, this just provides a totally different framework. You're just literally coming at it from a totally different um, perspective. And I have seen amazing results. Um, and I think it's important, you know, we talk about art related to trauma. And while it absolutely helps trauma, 
specific trauma, you know, PTSD, complex PTSD. It also helps in so many other ways. And that's been even just actually shocking to me. Mm. So it can help with chronic pain. It can help with OCD, uh, substance abuse. I had a wonderful success with someone around binge eating. Um, If you have negative patterns when you interact with your parent or sibling, you can work on those. So there are just so many different things. So again, I don't want people to think you know, I have to, you know, had a terrible trauma in my life to try art. Um, That's not true at all. It can work for depression, anxiety, ADHD, so many different things. So it really, really, um, I mean, I worked with a woman the other day, she had uh, had an, an injury to her toe. And for two years, every single day, complete chronic pain, just pain. She had just decided this is the way my life is. And she came in and we actually processed the scene in which she had the injury. And from that moment on, not one moment of pain. And that was five months ago. Not one moment. Wow. That is amazing. That is so damn dope. People call it magic, and it really is. Um, I also want to be clear. Look, I don't believe any treatment modality works for every single human Right, right. It's just too different and unique. But I really have found probably about a 95% success rate with my specific, you know, patients. Absolutely. That is amazing. Um, Because that's actually kind of what I was going to get more into, too. Like, um, you know, people feel like, automatically and especially just with therapy in general that there has to be traumatic experiences attached to you speaking with somebody um and one thing that i have noticed it have learned is everyone has experienced some type of trauma you know whether it's childhood you know whether it's something along the lines whether we suppress it or not is you know a totally different story um but I don't always feel and i'm speaking from a coach's perspective um mm-hmm. that you know, you have to have traumatic, you have to speak on the traumatic things. Some people want to go to therapy because there's just blockage that they just need to get, you know, get that out. And, you know, partnerships um, with um, therapy and coaching, um, I feel like is a great tool because the therapy is helping the diagnosis side of things. Whereas now the goals, you need an accountability partner to help move forward. And I feel like that, you know, we have to get into that mindset of understanding that we do need some help in areas, you know, when it comes to growing on a personal level and professional level as well, because I'm pretty sure you utilize it, you know, for personal goals, personal things for people, but then also when they're, you know, maybe experience, experience in business trauma and things like that as well. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, you know, I think our, what makes it so unique is that most people who have trauma um, have tried a lot of different therapies, right? And I'm talking about big T trauma. Mm-hmm. Talk about this. I'm sure your listeners know this already, absolutely. but big T trauma, <laughs> which are kind of the things we think of. Um you know, combat, um, sexual abuse, sexual assault, childhood abuse, 
um, you know, school shootings, things yeah. like that. But literally every one of us has little T trauma, right? Um, you know, experiences of being left out as children, bullying, um, some emotional neglect in childhood, yeah. um, all sorts of things. And those add up. And so yes, people, a lot of people, I, I mean, I'm a talk therapist. I talk to people and listen to them all day long. But what's so great about art is you don't have to talk about your trauma at all. Yeah. And, and so for a lot of people who've, you know, talked about it ad nauseum and aren't getting better and have been re-traumatized by talking about it over and over again, they don't have to talk about it. Um, there is opportunity, but I usually in my intake session, I just tell people, this is actually the most we'll be talking. The rest mm -hmm. is you doing the work um, and getting better and feeling better. Yeah. Do you experience um, or, you know, in, in your in your history so far, where do you see um, the most or do you see a difference with male or female? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Um, you know, I think I'm going to. So first of all, I get more women in my practice. So okay. that's just yeah. fact. So I have to own that. Right. I right, do not right. meet men. Men do not seek therapy as often as women. That's true. Um, so I want to acknowledge that, that I've not done art with as many men. But here's where I think the difference is. And again, this is simply my caseload. Absolutely. I'm not going to make huge generalizations here. Absolutely. But I find that women are a little bit more connected to their bodies. So in art, we continually ask about what sensations you have in the body at the moment because that's that fight, flight, or freeze trauma response, right? right? So heart beating, you know, lump in the throat, whatever. And I find that women can identify those sensations more easily than men. Men will talk about their thoughts when I ask them about sensations. They'll maybe say a feeling word or two, but they're not as deeply connected to their bodies. And so it's just a little bit more challenging you know, so they'll say, well, I'm thinking about, and I'll say, okay, that's great. And then they'll say, well, I'm feeling, and I'll say, also great, right. but I want to know literally what your body is doing right now. And then I give examples and they do catch on. It just takes a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that is totally understandable. Um, I definitely, um, you know, I work with women exclusively, but I also have conversations with men. Um, and you are so right on that. They do not identify as easily. Um, and, you know, I feel like personally, it's the stigma that's placed on them to not, you know, to carry this strong persona that they aren't supposed to have feelings, you know, but that's a whole nother episode. But, um, <laughs> you know, um, it's facts. You know, I, I totally feel like there's so many stigmas and me coming into myself and making personal transformation, I've realized that and I'm very sensitive to it now um, because I lived a life of suppression, suppressing emotions, putting everybody ahead of me. Um, and now I don't do that. So I'm very much self-aware, but I'm also aware of others when I see what they're doing. I'm like, yep, I did that for about 15 years, you know. <laughs> right. And you're not going back there. You're no. not going back there. Once you realize that you don't have to suppress emotions and that expressing them is, you know, really important with trusted people, obviously. Um, you're not going back. You yeah. can't put the lid back on. Sure Once can. you realize your full self, you can't put the lid back on and mm -hmm. you certainly don't want to. 
No, I definitely ain't putting the lid on. I, I live what I call the hashtag unapologetic life, you know, and that's just pretty much me stepping in my truth wholeheartedly and living the life that I desire, you know, and not caring who thinks about what, you know, when it comes to me. So, um, but that just makes me more passionate in, you know, encouraging others to do the same because it doesn't mean that you're not taking others' feelings into consideration. What it means is you are prioritizing self always. Always prioritizing self first and foremost. That's going to lead to a more fulfilling life, you know. Um, and we just got to put ourselves first. People around you are going to benefit more because you're not, exactly. you know, uh, completely burdened, overwhelmed, and then resentful. That is really what I see. So I see a lot of resentful women in my practice. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, who you know have just said yes over and over. And they're running around in, and especially like in their homes and they're pissed. Yeah. Right. And so those are often the women too, who aren't having as much sex, aren't turning toward their partner because they're carrying a lot of anger, yes. which is a huge problem. Anger yes. itself is not a problem. Ooh. Suppressing it is. Come on, Brooke. Tell them again. Yeah. Tell them again. That's exactly the realization. And at, uh, yeah. And it really That's depends it. on how you're raised, you know, yes. like anything, what, what emotions were you allowed to have and express? And for most people, you know, maybe yeah. a little sadness, but anger, anxiety, uh, this, you know, a lot of families, again, I do believe parents do the best they can. Okay. So it's not about, you know, saying these are horrible people, but there's a lot of emotional neglect that goes on in all families. Mm -hmm. And we need to start talking about that as trauma in a more oh. real way. Because children, when they go to their parents for help and they get brushed off or, oh, you're fine. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Or you're yeah. making too much of that. When they are dismissed they spent an entire life believing that their feelings do not matter at all. Yeah. And so to ask them to be in touch with them, no way. They're like, what? No, I can't do that. I, I got to be strong. You know, I don't even like to use that word strong anymore. I will, if, I, if it comes out by default, I will correct myself because I no longer live by the strong woman stigma. I don't want to be strong because when someone says they're strong all the time, that means to other people, oh, she don't need no help. She's all right. You know, she don't, she don't want to get help. You know, she's good. And I, I don't be good. You know, I am open and receptive to receive the support that I'm supposed to receive now, whereas I didn't used to be. Um, yeah. and, and that is that is such a big um, thing, you know, and especially in our culture, you know, I definitely see where we suppress a lot of things because that's how we were raised. Um, that is one of the number one things that I hear where well, I was raised to think this and I was raised to believe that. OK, but let's take it a step further. What do you believe? And they can't tell me you can't advise me of any of your values at all because you have taken your values that you were raised with you know and and i was raised with certain values but let me tell you something i struggled with them values because they weren't a hundred percent who i was as a child as a young adult i struggled all the time with certain things because i'm like that that shit ain't right it ain't right to me you know so now I, i'm fully all in my values and i, I live them wholeheartedly every day 
And I think what you're talking about is really important too, because you're really speaking to the sort of intergenerational trauma that yes. just gets passed on, right? Mm -hmm. And I think people forget that we get to, as adults, you know, whether you choose to have a family or not, or be yeah. partnered or whatever, we get to choose what we bring in to the next phase of our lives. Um, we don't get to choose how things go when we're children, yeah. but it's a pretty radical thing to break free and emancipate yourself really truly emotionally from mm. family. And I really think people struggle with, this means I'm disloyal, yeah. but you can absolutely love your family and still decide that specific ways of, you know, dealing with conflict or managing big feelings, you don't want to continue into the next generation. But it takes a lot of courage. It really does, because you have to set boundaries with your family. And, um, you know, when we're around our family, we often regress quite a bit as yes. adults. So absolutely. That's so damn true. Uh <laughs> I definitely, you know, I, I have a story, you know, to tell, you know, with regards to, you know, what I've been through in life. But one thing about it is I can't stay there. And I think we we get stuck in staying in the things that we feel like we're supposed to stay in, like you said, because we feel like there's no loyalty. Oh, I'm not loyal if I, you know, if I switch up how I think or how I feel about things. And I'm like, no, I'm still loyal. I'm still taking things to the grave with me. I'm still, you know, loving you and appreciating you, but I'm doing it my way. And there should not be a problem with that. It should not be a problem with how I'm handling things versus how you handling things. Because I'm doing what's best for me. Number well, one. Well, and this, this whole idea, I mean, when we set boundaries, I just did a reel about this. I don't know if it's come out on Instagram yet, but um, this whole idea of, you know, setting boundaries. When you set boundaries with people, probably never are they going to come to you and say, wow, I am so happy you just set that really healthy boundary with me. Great job. They're not going to say that. <laughs> Tell them, please. They're going to say, they're going to push back. They're going to say, well, you know, that's rude, or I can't believe you're speaking to me that way, or whatever it is. So, yes, you're worried things will get worse before they get better by setting a boundary. You are correct. Yeah. And still, we have to move forward and do it. Still got to keep going. Still have to keep going. Yeah, because it doesn't stay head. that way. It doesn't no. stay awful. It no. will stay awful. You know, the whole idea of if you continue to do what you did, you'll continue to get what you got. Absolutely. Got to do it differently. Okay. And at certain points when I'm working with people for long periods of time, you know, 10 years, 12 years, I really do get to a place where a lot of what I'm talking about is, you know, we've talked about this. We know the why. We know where it comes from, all that stuff. Mm. But if you aren't willing to do it differently, I'm not really going to be able to help you anymore. That and so hard. I really challenge them quite a bit. And again, that's why when I do therapy with people, I really look at the sort of top-down, bottom-up approach, right? So, you know, the bottom-up is these behavioral changes, these skills, these, you know, teaching ways of managing anxiety or... Um, managing your time or, um, you know, strategies for conflict. 
Um, but then obviously we also have to do the much deeper, harder work. You have to do both or there really can't be sustainable change. Yep. I agree 100%. The work has to be put in, people. Listen, you guys know, um, you're listening, then you know how I rock. And you know that I am big on accountability. Um, you know that there is work that has to be done within you um, because that's going to align what goes on outside of you. So if you just continue with that mindset and understand that it is okay to reach out and talk to people, it is okay. There are people that are here to be in your corner, whether you want them on a short-term level, long-term level, um, you know, as Brooke says, she has had clients for years, you know, mm -hmm. to build that type of trusting relationship because she is here for you, you know, mm -hmm. and we all need someone in our life. You listen, we know we love our family and friends. Don't get me wrong. But that unbiased, so that biased support is not always what's best for us. We need yeah. someone unbiased and that is going to give it to us in a raw. And we might be mad for an hour after we hear it. But after that, we're going to be like, you know what? She's fucking right. You know, <laughs> um, so that's just super important. I really want us to really just start becoming more comfortable with having conversations yeah. with others to, you know, break free from those restricted thinking methods because that's what they are for me. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I did want to say, so... I love me some Oprah, but I will tell you, there is one thing that she has said over and over again that drives me bananas, <laughs> which is, I never needed a therapist. I have Gail. And that, you know, we all know Gail, her it, best friend. Yeah. And it's so funny to me that she's all about self-improvement and, you know, meditation and transforming and everything. But she really has never had her own therapy. Yeah. And look, I love my girlfriends. First of all, I've got the best girlfriends in the world because they're all therapists. So, but even they have a stake in things I'm talking about. They love me. They love my kids, you know, whatever. And so I always wish Oprah would say, you know, it's okay to go to therapy and sometimes Let's say it's okay. Exactly. Aren't the best therapists. Yeah. Because it I actually shared it's crazy you said about a reel because I actually shared a reel um that I had seen on TikTok and it was just to the point of just be mindful of what you're saying to your friends um because sometimes you're going to say something like and and this one was in the basis of like relationships so you get into a big argument with your boyfriend your husband or something like that and you're going to vent to your friends about you know all of the bad things that you're saying and doing with him but then when you get back with them you expect your friend to you know, just make that shift with you. And it's not always that easy for us and that simple. So I can only imagine probably Gail probably got a therapist. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> right, Oprah's like, yeah, I got her, but she has like five. Hey, she got about a dozen of them for real, for real. So, <laughs> But I do. I agree with you 100 percent. Um, Even if you haven't sought therapeutic intervention, I feel like it's important to stress the fact that it is okay because it needs to be normalized. It really needs to be normalized um, because there's so many different levels of therapy, um, so many different versions of therapy. Um, 
it's not a one size fit all type of deal, you know? And I always tell people, I mean, I encourage people to shop around. Now, first of all, right now, these days, almost every therapist is full, which is a tragedy, truly a tragedy. Yeah, I agree. Um, People will always say to me, oh my God, you're so busy. And I say, and I'm not happy about it. Exactly. It's only an indication of how badly people are doing. I yeah. don't see that as positive at all. Yeah. Um, but um, I totally forgot what I was going to say. Um, no, that's all right. When that passion there, that's what happens. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but yeah. yeah um, no, no, you're good. You're good. Um, but yeah, COVID you know. Brain. I still have a little COVID brain. Hey, I know. I get it. I get it. And I hate, I can't stand that. Cause I hear that more common than not too. So, but you know, that's a whole nother topic. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, you know, like I said, you have such a, a, a wide range of services, um, and everything that you offer, let them know, you know, exactly everything that it is that you do offer. Um, mm-hmm. and I've got your website scrolling at the bottom. So if you are watching this on YouTube, make sure you write that website down, but it'll also be in the podcast details as well. So kind of let them know like everything that you, you know, do and what you got upcoming as well. Cause we definitely want to know. Yeah. So, um, again, I see individuals, couples, and I have two women's groups that meet weekly that are kind of ongoing process groups. And my groups really focus on, um, getting feedback, real live in the moment feedback about you and about how you interact with people. So all of us can benefit from, uh, learning more about ourselves and how we are and how we show up in relationships and group is such a powerful modality because you've got multiple people kind of giving you feedback about what they see, what the, the patterns they see. And I will give a really big plug for group therapy, not necessarily with me, but anywhere. Therapists are hard to find. I really believe group can be an important answer for this specific time in our lives where individual therapists are hard to come by. Mm -hmm. Join a group, learn about yourself. And because people have been so isolated for so long, that's a huge part of group is that weekly connection with other people who are also trying to improve their lives. Um, I'm also a sex therapist, so I work with individuals and couples, um, and I specialize in low desire, uh, desire discrepancy in couples. I'm also kink aware, poly aware, um, and, um, you know, work with LGBTQ couples, kind of anything, you know, that you have concerns about in terms of um, sex therapy. And then I do offer Brene Brown uh, daring greatly weekend workshops for women. Mm. Those are extremely powerful. I've done 19 of them and those weekends are also pretty life-changing, uh, helping women decide, uh, you know, where they want to show up, be seen and live brave in their lives. And then of course my current passion, accelerated resolution therapy And art is pretty cool because it can be done in person and virtually, and they're equally effective. I've actually heard from two patients who've done both modalities 
and they say they're equally effective. I think they prefer the connection with mm -hmm. me in person, but they work equally, equally as well. And again, you can find me at my website, brookebraylove.com, and also on Instagram and Facebook, uh, Brooke Braylove Psychotherapy. Oh, that is so dope. Girl, you is the bomb. Like, I love just, you have so many things to offer, and I know that your clients are just super appreciative. Um, your passion shows, it. you hear it, you see it in your face. Um, and I, I'm definitely so glad that you came on the podcast today. Um, my listeners are definitely going to get some great, great value and feedback. Um, I think this conversation was dope today. So I appreciate Thank you for having me. Yes, no problem. No problem. You're welcome back anytime. But you guys know where y'all can find me at. I am on all social media at Coach K-A-Y-W-D-S. And of course, you already will be there if you are subscribed to the channels and the podcast. Okay, so you know you you know where to find me. You know, um, I appreciate you guys so much for tuning in today. Um, be sure that you go and follow Brooke as well, because um, you definitely need our feedback because it's pretty dope. So thank you guys again for being here. I appreciate you so much. Stay dope. Stay positive. Stay empowered, baby. Till next time. <laughs>